0: welcome to another episode of the Barefoot Mediator podcast, news and views from Jane Gunn and guests. In this episode, I speak with Peter Liner, who is the founder of the Academy for Business Leaders and Entrepreneurs, or ABLE, a peer group empowering business leaders to unlock their true potential, and also of the Joshua Liner Foundation, which he set up following the sudden death of his grandson, Joshua. We discuss the importance of purpose and giving back to each other and to society. Welcome, Peter.
1: Good afternoon to you, Jane.
0: So, Peter, we've known each other for ages. I'm really excited to have you on the podcast because we've talked about it for a while and I, I know it's been my promise to have you on and uh, there's some specific things I'm really excited to hear from you about. But, but just to start, for our listeners... Tell us a little bit about you and your background and how you get to where you are today.
1: Okay, well, first of all, uh, many thanks, Jane, for inviting me onto the podcast today. But, uh, yeah, um, I I started uh, life out in the chemical industry, following getting a chemistry set as a teenager, as a kid, which uh, got me going. And I've been involved in running businesses in the coatings industry, uh, plastics industry and the chemical distribution. And it was the chemical distribution business where I was running a business for a, a Swiss parent, 15 million pound operation. And I was introduced to peer group learning. Never heard of it before and uh, went along as a, a taster Um, fell in love with it. And you didn't have to reel me in. I became a member. And then fast forward uh, three years, um, I ultimately felt after 40 years in the chemical industry, I need to do something different. So I decided that I would uh, go my own way. And I was invited to take up a license with a competitive uh, product, uh, which I duly did. And uh, a couple of years later, they unfortunately sold the business and I didn't agree with the new management. So, So one of my coaches said, well, Peter, why don't you do your own? So in April 2013, I set up the uh, Academy for Business Leaders and Entrepreneurs, known as ABLE, and it's flourished since then.
0: Absolutely. And I've certainly been to some of your meetings and Hmm. seen them flourish, Peter. Right. So peer group learning. Now, some people will know what that is and others won't. What is peer group learning and what's special about it?
1: Well, I was uh, blessed with um, experiencing it myself. And I think from my personal point of view, I was absolutely amazed at suddenly being a guest in an environment of another nine or 10 CEOs where I was welcomed. Uh, They didn't know me from Adam. And I went through the day with them um, and we got into our afternoon session. And I actually shared with them a particular problem I had with my three co-directors. And it was amazing to learn from other people that have had the same experience but in different industries and the willingness to help and support each other. What became very apparent, it was a community of like-minded people that were just there to help one another and each individual knew that at some stage or other that there would be a benefit to them. So it's um, essentially learning from others that you're not alone. Uh, because as a CEO, it can be very lonely and isolating. And it's the things that keep you going. And over a period of time, a lot of the, the, the challenges that we had would be personal as well. And it's having that confidence to be in an environment. Taking a day away from your normal business in a month was refreshing. So that, I think, really is the the core benefit of it.
0: I would think, Peter, even more now, since we've had a period where many people have not met in person and we've either, you know, been confined to meeting on Zoom, which has been amazing. But the dynamic of meeting in person to discuss some of these mm. issues is, mm. is
1: profound,
0: isn't it, really?
1: Well, uh, it was, um, uh, and I must admit, my biggest problem when we went into lockdown, because as you know, uh, these meetings are all face-to-face, is suddenly we didn't have face-to-face meetings. But strangely enough, uh, 18 months before we went into lockdown, before COVID, I uh, live in Kingston-on-Thames, and I'm part of the Kingston Chamber of Commerce, and we were holding the Kingston Expo, and I exhibited there. And we had a business radio station uh, there. And they asked me uh, if I could interview with them that afternoon. Uh, a bit of free publicity. Why not? Let's go for it. The interview was good. But at the end of it, the guy said, Peter, have you ever thought about running your meetings virtually? And I said, absolutely no way. We're hugger-buggers. We're kissy-kissy. We like to be around each other. Then fast forward into COVID. All of a sudden, no meetings. Yeah. And to be honest, um I lost uh, my two groups. I lost nearly half of my members on, on both those groups. Yes. Um, because people at the time were unsure what to do. They felt they couldn't spend money on themselves when they were laying people off. Mm. So I was left with a, a situation, particularly when I'm supporting the Joshua Liner Foundation. What do I do now? So I had no alternative, having said what I said earlier, to go on to Zoom. Yes. And that saved my bacon because what I ended up doing is because the group shrunk, I amalgamated the two groups together and, and it worked. Uh, but you're right, it's not the same environment. But strangely enough, I actually took on a new member uh, through Zoom, but I didn't meet him physically for two years. So it proved it could be done. But I'm very much a people person. And I relish the uh, ability to be around people. So uh, although we carried on on Zoom, last year in the summer, we voted as a group that we would go to a hybrid version. Right, And that meant that once a quarter we'd get together face to face. And the other two months we would carry on with our Zoom. But the problem with Zoom as well is that you couldn't have a Zoom meeting for a full day. So I had to make changes. So what we did is that we'd have, at the early part of the month, a a Zoom call with the speaker in the morning. And then two weeks later, we'd have another Zoom call in the morning, but this time cover accountability and my ABLE clinic, where we cover off dilemmas, opportunities and challenges that the members have. And then in January this year, we voted to go back to -to face-to-face. You're fabulous. And – that was the uh, oh sorry when we went we voted to go back to face to face last year that was the first time that I met Neil after two years and it was really strange he said Peter it's as if I've known you for years but we well, <laughs> we only just met
0: I've asked people all through who I've never met before so I've met many people I've not met before during mm. the last three years and I've mm. always said to them and even offered a prize if it was part of a workshop how tall do you think I am
2: yeah
0: <laughs> Yeah. Idea, and a lot of people will come at us. We think you're five foot eight, or we think you're five foot ten. I'm five foot three, and if you Mm. meet me in person, you think I'm five foot ten, you're going to be disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) You know that that is one of the things we don't get that sort of visceral sense of someone when you meet Mm. online, and you just Mm. don't quite know. Yeah, I think there's a lot of information you're missing. that for me, as a mediator, because my job is about sort of understanding how people are feeling and thinking, and you, you do pick up a lot of information about people mm. being in a room that you just can't sense on Zoom, I think. Mm. it is. But, it,
1: but equally, I think the other thing is building a relationship. I think building a relationship, you need to have that personal contact. I do. And I think these days, uh, a hybrid version is... Uh, essentially a compromise, whereby at least meeting sometime, you're developing that relationship. So therefore, the benefit of a, a Zoom call the following month works, because obviously, there are people now that have totally changed their travel patterns, because is it necessary for us to have that meeting? So people have cut back. But I think the important thing is sometime or other, you need to have that physical connection but i've noticed it myself with the with the current group that you can see the difference that being together makes that something is said that sparks another thought that perhaps wouldn't be there when you're on zoom
0: yes you don't get that opportunity to sort of, you know, it, it's everybody's in a box, aren't they? <laughs> you don't yeah. get that opportunity to bump into mm. someone else or or mm. them at the coffee desk or whatever. It's just different, isn't it? Mm. And then you talk about this part of the peer group learning it is, is accountability. And, and to me, I think that's something that, I mean, I've been part of the peer group myself and, as you know, a speaker to peer groups. So I've experienced them from different, Levels, um but this accountability is something, isn't it? You know, mm. there's so many, so many things we want to do or don't think we're capable of doing or don't crack on with doing. So that, to mm. me, that that's one of the most powerful things I think that we can offer each other is that accountability.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. And I think that what I I found that happens is that particularly if you get a new member, they would only do it once when. They're held to account, and then at the following meeting, well, what did you do that you said you are going to do last month? And then to turn around and say nothing. They'll only do that once, yeah. because they're not accountable to me. They're yeah. accountable to the whole group. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've noticed that many times, that so they never do it again. Yeah. If you go to the trouble of trying to help as a community, an individual that's got a particular challenge, and then you do nothing about it, then it's... Um, you're wasting everybody's time, so you quickly pick up on that, and then people will, in fact, bring everyone up to speed with uh, what they've done since we last got together. And you're right, it's uh, you're being held to account, as I am as a chair as well. Um, I'm held to account to ensure that I'm continuing to uh, give value to to the community.
0: Well, it's a model I think that could be. I mean, I know it has been expanded, and and, and lots of different groups of, of sprung up that offer this kind of format. But it, mm. you know, I still think there is more more scope for it to be, you know, mm. in our society. M- maybe at different levels, even at school. I know my daughter at medical school had a similar thing where they got together in little study groups that they were accountable mm. to each other for getting their studying done. They're really, you know. Mm done even
2: mm.
0: Um, mm. helping each other so I, I I feel I feel it's a very powerful format really
1: for supporting mm. each other mm. oh I, I definitely agree and uh, one of my, my personal experiences is that I've always relished the thought of getting together as many diverse businesses and individuals as you can but one of the really funny things that happened a few years ago, is I met a young man who was just a serial entrepreneur and he had started to run a number of different businesses and I found that I was learning from him. But when I invited him to join the group, one of my group members, uh, a young lady, took me to one side and she said, Peter, what the hell are you doing? Because he came as such a shock to her. But the amazing part of it, and again, comes back to peer group although he was very brash although he was very opinionated over that period of time as well as that softening from him he started to win over everybody to then become one of the most popular members and that just showed that, and I learned something from him but he was a young man he was in his early 30s so i i totally agree with you i think that this could be expanded into the younger generation into many different areas because it is very very powerful
0: and and the thing it builds up is trust and confidence isn't it i mean Mm. as well as working with peer groups i've worked for several years with a group of um northern based lawyers and mediators and they meet once a year for a retreat and they've been doing Mm. that for almost 20 years so the Mm. Relationship and trust that they've built up between them to share vulnerable mm. situations or concerns is mm. enormous, and mm. I think it's that, isn't it? Is that ability to say, "I'm not sure about this," or mm. "I'd like to do this," but i you know, it, it, it's being able to share that vulnerable information or situation and have the support that some, you know, people have got your back.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. And also being in an environment where you're not frightened to bring it up. Yes. because um, in, in a number of cases, there are personal issues that are, it's not just business, it's personal issues. Mm-hmm. And, and having that confidence to be able to raise that as well, I think is testament to a peer group. And then ultimately to, because at the end of the day, it's not a loving there are going to be times where it's going to be hard nosed, and you know people take it, have to take it on the chin. So yeah, it's it's quite interesting. You can see that uh, people will take that on board because they feel safe, and that's the other thing: safe in an environment where they're comfortable to be able to share whatever they feel is appropriate for the situation
0: and I feel I don't know about you Peter that in the world we live in today a lot of people don't feel safe to share mm. concerns or to talk about certain topics this is something i'm passionate mm. about is there are mm. so many things where we've got to tread on eggshells we've got to be mm. politically correct we mustn't talk about this or that and so people simply just don't talk about those things because they're mm. so terrified of upsetting someone or saying something that's wrong and yet mm. these are topics which are so foundational to the way our society is going that we Mm. ought to be speaking about them and we ought to be sharing our concerns but maybe we can do that in these smaller groups and rather
1: Mm. Mm. you know with
0: with some sort of ground rules around
1: Mm. Mm. well yeah i mean what we did is that right from day one we set up a charter and that charter highlighted the key aspects of the commitment from all the members and one of them was key where You might get a situation where two members might want to form a joint venture together and uh, uh, go off in a separate entity, for instance. Uh, And part of the the charter was then to develop a financial charter, that if that uh, were the case, where people invested in their respective businesses, that this wouldn't have an impact on our normal meeting, where we wouldn't bring up these issues with the with these joint ventures as part of our um, ABLE clinic in the afternoon because it was outside of the concept of um, of what we did. And, of course, over a period of time, that started to get challenged. So, well, why shouldn't we do that? So what we did is we ripped up the financial charter. So when that happens, it, it totally changed and people were very open and uh, were able to come up with an alternative view that could be taken on board to help. So yes, you're right. It started off as being something we couldn't do, and then it just naturally evolved. But why not? And then it went from there. We uh, opened up.
0: I do think that's how we should we should be constantly reviewing.
1: Mm. You
0: know the frameworks for our relationships. You know our commercial relationships because what was right yesterday might be different tomorrow. Mm. And, you know, how we talk about some of these challenging topics, we should be able to sort of say, well, what we thought yesterday or what we knew yesterday is different from what we know today, isn't it? Mm. Let's introduce a new, some new information into the picture.
1: Mm. Because well, yes, it's, it's constantly evolving. And uh, I, I think that we all need to evolve, be able to uh, help and support one another, even though we might not like it. That's a very very important thing
0: so peter a very personal issue for you and i know you've said you're happy to speak about it today Mm. uh it's something that i'm sure you did take to your group but it's been something that you've gone on and actioned and i'm sure your group have supported you in that but is the loss of your grandson and how you set up a foundation to deal Mm. with your your loss and your feelings so what happened there
1: Well, yeah, we were, it was quite upsetting because um, Joshua, we knew, had a heart condition during uh, Sophie's uh, pregnancy, and she was, in fact, advised at the time not to, uh, or to terminate the pregnancy. But Sophie's very like me, she's very hard-headed, decided she'd do a bit of research, and found via America that there was, in fact... um, a procedure that could be followed for people with uh, hyperplasty left heart syndrome. So she said to me, Dad, I want to give my child every um, opportunity in life. So I supported her 100%. Joshua was due to be born in January. He actually was born on Christmas Day. And then within 48 hours, he had his first operation. Uh, We nearly lost him, but he was a fighter and fought through that. The next operation was three months later, and he went through that. We nearly lost him again, but he fought back. And then the next stage of the process was that within three years of being born, they would have the third operation. Well, unfortunately, six months went by, and I found Joshua really uh, stimulating and uh, incredible. uh, Every time I saw him, he'd smile and laugh and i'd get on the floor and play with him and of course the morning that he died i held him in my arms and that's when i got the eureka moment that i would set up the joshua liner foundation as his legacy but my business able would uh, would support it and that's when i realized that my business although it was a lifestyle business i wanted to make this uh, a bigger thing so we uh, went ahead to uh, My daughter Sophie's one of the trustees. Some of my business friends joined us and we got a couple of medical experts to join us as well. But it wasn't um, an easy journey because uh, I made the commitment, be it right or wrong at the time, that we would get the charity commission uh, registration. Uh, So it uh, had a bit of credibility to allow us to go ahead and do something with it. But um, the bottom line was that we actually failed the first submission. We went through a legal practice who had, who had expertise in setting up um, charities, but that coincided with the Charities Commission changing a lot of their processes following that, all the publicity about the larger charities with uh, sexual harassment and bullying. However, we stuck to it, we resubmitted, and then we uh, eventually got the Charities Commission uh Appraisal, and the funny thing about that was that I was uh, introduced to Ayurveda through Health Dynamics some years earlier than that, and I thought it was a lot of woo-woo. And I mentioned it to Joe um, that it was, and um, luckily Joe kept in touch with me. Her name's Joe Samosa uh, of Simosa. Of She's the, uh, the the CEO of the business, but. These things are meant to happen because within a week of getting the Charity Commission registration, I got a call from um, Joe and she requested a Zoom call. And then we were on the Zoom call and she was getting closer and closer to her screen. And she said, Peter, I think you need to lose some weight. And that really resonated with me because I thought, golly, wouldn't it be criminal? before we get the charity off the the ground, that I pop my clogs. So I said, okay, Joe, I'm in. So I went through this detox program with her, Mm. and uh, I lost 19 kilos of weight in in that five-week program. I was also introduced to, uh, as part of the program to Body Dynamics, um, run by Martin Young, which does a lot of the exercise regime that you need, because I realised that although I lost this weight, I was losing muscle as well. So I, I carried on with the body dynamic side of the programme whilst already convinced. And you you get into this habit, I think, that over that five-week period, it became I became a bit of a chef because everything that we were doing was uh, cooked fresh. There was no processed uh, foods, um, no alcohol, which was a bit of a tricky thing for me at the time. No uh, red meat, no um, dairy, um, and you could have some fish and some um, white meat, particularly chicken. Uh, But mainly, it was all about herbs and spices and vegetables. Um, So I got into the habit and continued with it. So 12 months later, I did the detox again, and I dropped to 30.1 kilos weight loss. Wow. And it really brought home to me the importance of health and well-being because I felt much better, my mind, I, I felt much better as well, and it stuck me, with me to, to, to this day. But if it wasn't for Joshua and the Joshua Liner Foundation, perhaps I wouldn't have done that. But uh, it certainly made me a convert now that I'm very uh, – I have gone back to drinking I certainly don't drink as much as I used to before I joined the program. I generally don't drink through um, Monday through Friday but spoil myself at the weekend. So my drinking consumption's down, but I'm still very much part of watching what I eat and how much I eat because um the longer I live, the the more we can do with the Joshua Liner Foundation because ultimately my aim is to sell able eventually for whatever I can and then hopefully carry on uh, as uh, part of the Joshua Liner Foundation, because I think the other thing you learn is, you know, uh, don't retire. Make sure that you're doing something to keep the grey matter going. And I think that's half the problem. There are too many people that I've met that suddenly retire yeah. and they've got nothing to do. Uh, you've got to keep the um, the, the grey matter going. And It's not just a question of playing golf five days a week. I think you've got to do more keep it going and I I strongly believe that that will help with uh, uh, preventing Alzheimer's and mental disease because you're, you're keeping active.
0: I couldn't agree more Peter I think there are there's so many things to keep going for and especially the fact that we can you know be more flexible in the way we work means mm. we don't have to exhaust ourselves traveling all over the place we can be mm. more flexible but it, just to go back a little bit you did lose Joshua. Joshua did die after that. He did get to his third um, surgery.
1: No, he, no, he didn't. He died at nine months and one day, yeah,
0: um, yeah. which
1: was a very short period of time. But in that short period of time, he was, uh, for instance, when he was at Brompton Hospital, uh, if another child in the ward started to cry, you can see his attention was immediately. What's going on? Uh, and it was incredible to see. He was an uh, inspiring young baby, even though. Very very short period of time with us, and inspired me immensely.
0: Absolutely, and so you've started up a foundation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: A foundation. What's the purpose of the foundation? What are you raising money for? What are you hoping to do with that? With that.
1: Well, it's um, it's twofold, really, because when we look back at what happened, unfortunately, the the night that Joshua had this particular issue. The ambulance came and didn't take him to Brompton Hospital, took him to another hospital. They weren't very um, uh, up to speed with his condition, although his records are always there. They didn't have the expertise there and unfortunately passed away. And we think that if he'd gone to Brompton, then he'd probably still be with us today. So it's very much an educational website and um, charity because... What we want to do is to educate not just the parents, uh, but the whole chain involved right from the ambulance drivers through to the nurses, through to the consultants about congenital heart disease. Yeah. So it's 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 two things, okay? Educational, helping everybody. Uh, for instance, with the parents where the consultants might talk in a lot of Gook. At least with with, with turning into English, Uh, we're using experience of people who have gone through the same uh, issues that we had with uh, Joshua, but in layman's language. So therefore, for newer parents, it would be much easier for them to understand what's going on. But equally, the same applies to a a lot of um, doctors. They're not familiar with uh, congenital heart disease either so it is very much education, uh, uh, educational but ultimately our aim is is that we want to support brompton hospital uh, our original um uh, idea was to go for uh, this uh, mobile equipment that can be used um uh, uh, to actually check the heart and the consultants there who support lots of uh, other local hospitals can use this mobile uh, machine to enable them to get an early diagnosis. So we're raising money for that as well, and other things that uh, that um, come along our way. Uh, but at the moment, that's what we're aiming to do, but very much educational as well.
0: Well, oh, fabulous. So maybe at the end you can give some details of how people can find out more about about that. And sure. then inspired you to look at your own health and realise yeah. that... Actually, and I, I love this message, Peter, that we've all got a purpose or we can all have a bigger purpose, and you found that, really, in the mm. Joshua Diner Foundation, which mm. extends beyond your work life, if you like. and Exactly. And that actually many of us, when we think we are retiring or have to retire, there are other things that we can be doing that
2: mm.
0: are, are of service, which I think is mm-hmm. wonderful. Um Yeah. Like, I, I was inspired by uh, the person who uh, was or took over the um, uh, CEO of the Scout organization in the United States. And she continued, uh, she became a leadership guru under Peter Drucker, and she continued working until she was 102, mm. lived till she was 107. So you've a way to go yet, Peter?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, hopefully, I'll get somewhere near there, but. I think that, again, it's just a, a question of realising that um, there are things that you can do, like being physically active. As I mentioned earlier on, I mean, I work with dumbbells um, at le- least six days a week as, as part of my exercise regime, and it makes the, the world a difference. And I think by doing these things, that it only helps to give you the opportunity to live a long, uh, a longer life, but one that's going to be worthwhile because you do need to do other things and i i I feel at times it's a bit unfair that um, a number of people aren't fortunate my career has been one that i didn't have to do very much physical labor so people are doing a lot of physical work obviously it's important that they do retire they can't continue that way but then if they made aware of other things they could do to volunteer or get involved with charities, but also look after their health as well, that there are other things that they can do. Yeah, Um, yeah. Uh, I just am an advocate of it. Look after your health and um, do something to help. Give back to others because I think it's really worthwhile and rewarding.
0: Great message. I I love the mantra, if you don't look after your body, where on earth are you going to live? (laughs)
1: Yeah, <laughs> and that is so true even though you might be shrinking because yeah. one of the things I learned is that, that as you get older you apparently lose half an inch every 10 years oh shocking. So the rate I'm going I'm going to be a dwarf soon but anyway
0: yeah <laughs> dwarf and I'll be a doll so there we go <laughs> yeah so just to sort of think you you know you work with leaders Peter yeah. what what do you see or what what do you? I mean, what do you see in terms of leadership in the times we're in? It concerns me a lot that I'm not sure who we look up to as leaders at the moment. I don't find any global leaders that inspire me. Uh, I don't find that many corporate leaders that inspire me. So, I wonder, from your perspective as somebody who works with leaders, where leadership is going?
1: Well, I think um, it's going in the direction. Certainly, what I found of uh, collaboration. I've really found that a strong uh certainly from what I see with every and of course what we're doing in terms of a peer group does actually stimulate that. But I think that certainly is um is is the way forward um is to collaborate uh, with people. And I think that leaders, well, I mentioned earlier on, I mean, one of the inspiring uh leaders that i could give you is theo the the young chap i mentioned earlier on he inspired me that having lost his arm with a motorbike accident and uh, continuing, and he's a serial entrepreneur yeah. and you know what he's doing now uh, and i've set up some meetings for him he's giving back by sharing with younger people entrepreneurship And he he tackles that from the point of view, hey, I've lost my arm. Who cares? Let's move on. And he's inspiring. There's a couple of uh, schools local to me, uh, Tiffin School and Kingston University, and particularly in Tiffin School, he's inspired these years seven and eights in, in terms of what can be done. So he's giving back that way. So I think powerful leaders now are giving back in whatever shape or form.
0: And, of course, young Joshua, although he only got to nine months, was a leader in his own right, wasn't
1: he? 100%. And inspirational as well. Yeah. And I think that there is... I'm a believer that a lot of people have this naturally in themselves, and just to be given the platform to naturally uh, develop that, which I think is what happens in a peer group environment, then... They give back. So we're all helping to uh, really share our experiences, good and bad, to help the younger people that are coming along.
0: One of my feelings, Peter, in the times we live in is that it's up to us. You know, we keep looking for these inspiring leaders or or someone to lead us out of the mess we're in. And I don't see it happening. So I, I wonder what your tips are for each of us to lead in the times we're in.
1: Well, I, I suppose the, the key one would be to join a peer group. Um, yes. <laughs> that, cool. that, is, that will be the, the, the start of it to just um, give you, uh, because certainly what I've learned from that is that having had the privilege of being part of one and then running one, it really does help in, in terms of stimulating both your own growth, be it from a business as well as a personal point of view and stimulates that willingness to share it with others so my other suggestion there would be is don't be afraid to share the good and bad with your peers be inspirational do things out of the ordinary yeah it's and and to be yourself Uh, I think that's an authentic that's the important thing don't be something that you're not be authentic
0: I love all those messages Peter I think that's um Wonderful. You know, the idea that actually we've all got it within us to be able to give something more, to give back, mm. as well as to take for ourselves and and to be who we are and to share that and to share the good and the bad. I think all of those are, are very inspiring messages at a time where I, th- I think I feel so many people are struggling. So many people are still kind of stuck in a box or stuck at home mm. and they're not quite sure what they're doing or where they're going. Um, mm. I think a lot of inspiration is needed, and I thank, I thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well,
1: um, thank you for giving me the opportunity to have uh, at that the, this conversation with you. It's been a while.
0: Oh, yeah, so what would your final message be? One final thought, Peter, and then perhaps you could share some contact details where people can find you and where they can find the Joshua Liner Foundation.
1: Okay. Well, I, I think we've mentioned it already, and something that I'm really strong on, collaboration. Yes. Collaboration and working with others to help is uh, the way forward, which means give and take. Yes. Uh, collaboration isn't a one-way street; it's uh, it's uh, it's giving as well as taking. So that would be the core. Mm-hmm. And thank you for giving me the opportunity. Um, the The best uh, contact details would be for the, our website is to go onto uh, the website, which is uh, jlftrust.org.uk, or you're very. Welcome to contact me directly with peter.liner at jlftrust.org.uk as well. And also my business one at peterable-academy.com. And I have no problem if you want to talk to me personally is to call me on 07711 669 363. I'd be more than prepared to talk to you.
0: Fabulous, Peter. Well, look, I think you've inspired me. I'm sure you've inspired many people who are listening uh, to learn more about peer groups and in fact, maybe setting up a charity or supporting the Joshua Liner Foundation and learning more about children, how they can help children with congenital heart defects. So Peter, thanks for your time. Thanks for connecting. Thanks for chatting. It's been great.
1: It's been my pleasure. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues. Please do subscribe to the Barefoot Mediator podcast series. And if you would like to access my free video series for managing in times of change, challenge and crisis, and download a PDF copy of my book, How to Beat Bedlam in the Boardroom and Boredom in the Bedroom, please go to janegun.co.uk slash video. The link is in the show notes.